This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Lonnie's Discount Muffler and Ribs Studio. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. We have a merch update for you. Not our merch. Elizabeth Warren's merch. Oh, no. <laughs> she, uh, she put out a t-shirt that says capitalism without rules is theft and it says it in a folksy uh hand stitched uh sort of font probably did, the did, lamest did shit des- you'll see today <laughs> did i describe that right yeah it's, so close it's to awful the, so close to the actual quote capitalism is theft instead they inserted two unnecessary words in there <laughs> Without rules. Yeah. Warren is doing the classic lib shit of conflating capitalism with uh, the idea of markets. Markets have existed before capitalism. Capitalism is the explicit belief that people acting in a self-interested way to accumulate wealth for themselves will end up producing the best possible outcome for all of society. That is basically it in a nutshell, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't get this. Uh, what I really don't get about this is that I feel like you don't need to identify as a socialist to be distrustful of capitalism. Right. And that a lot of liberals or progressives, I should say, are people who identify as progressives are like, you know what? I'm not quite there as socialist yet, but I definitely do not like capitalism. And I yeah. really don't see who Warren is winning over with this. No, pe- people <laughs> it's should, awful. People could get the shirt and just put black tape over the two uh, middle words. Although I guess getting the shirt means you're contributing to our campaign and uh, <laughs> uh, I- encouraging this sort of merchandising. Uh, which is not good. I, I think that Warren would be a better nominee than Democrats, uh, than most Democrats would be. Yeah. But at this point in the race with Bernie Sanders in there, why? Why are you supporting Elizabeth Warren at this point? You got to get on the Bernie train. And yeah. uh, She's good enough for your second choice. That's it. That's it. And barely even that. Um Bernie actually was spared some criticism because we weren't recording over the Thanksgiving holiday when he released his Patriotic Millionaires video. <laughs> uh, equally as stupid uh, right there. So hopefully we can uh, ensure that Bernie never, ever utters the word Patriotic Millionaires again. All right, moving on. <laughs> so I, did, I, I had nothing to add. I thought you summed it up pretty well. Yeah. Uh, hey, just a reminder, we've got a Patreon. Subscribe today, patreon.com slash district sentinel. That way you can participate in our garbage can proceedings. Right now, the nominations are open. You can uh, nominate a garbage can, garbage candidate. We already have some uh, good nominees. Looks like George Zimmerman's probably going to run away with it this week. <laughs> but uh, also, Liz Smith has been uh, nominated, the P- Pete Buttigieg staffer. Um, We've got Kamala Harris nominated for one final goodbye to her campaign. Uh, Sonny Perdue, yeah. the Secretary of Agriculture for 
uh, trying to kick hundreds of thousands of people off food stamps. Yeah, yeah. Some other nominations dealing with uh, media outlets that are ignoring Bernie. That seems to be a, a weekly sta- staple in the garbage candidate proceedings. Also get your honor can nominees, and we like to uh, honor people who do good work as well. Patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Subscribe so you can listen to tomorrow's Garbage Can Show for subscribers only. All right, it's Thursday, December 5th, 2019. Here's the news. The Supreme Court showed an interest in weighing in on a critical, unresolved legal question. What makes a person innocent, and is it unconstitutional to then execute them? You would think this is something that would have already been resolved in the 240 years of our republic, but alas, here we are. On Thursday, the Supreme Court relisted the case of Reed versus Texas, an indication that at least one of the justices wants to review the matter. The case involves Rodney Reed, who was convicted and sentenced to death back in 1996 for the murder of Stacey Stites. Reed was set to be executed last month before the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals intervened at the last minute to issue an indefinite stay until a lower court reconsiders Reed's conviction. In the 20-plus years since Reed was convicted, the evidence against him has all been discredited. That includes DNA evidence that was used to help convict him. Also, new evidence has come to light that exonerates Reed and implicates Stites' former fiancé, a police officer named Jimmy Fennell, in her murder. Of course. Yeah, if you would have asked me at the beginning, I'd have said, look at the police officer. (laughs) While the case has been sent down to a lower court for reconsideration, Reed's lawyers are petitioning the Supreme Court to review the matter. In particular, they want the court to, quote, clarify that the Constitution does not permit the execution of a person who is innocent. Again, why this statement needs to be clarified at all seems to be a pretty serious indictment of our criminal justice system. Anyway, although the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals indefinitely halted Reed's execution, it rejected Reed's argument that he was actually innocent. In fact, the court has regularly rejected such arguments from defendants who were convicted on faulty evidence. In a report last month, The Intercept highlighted a case out of Dallas last year where someone was convicted on faulty bite mark evidence In that case, Chief Judge Sharon Keller opined on what makes someone innocent, saying, quote, Should a convicted person be declared actually innocent merely because the state's case has completely fallen apart? Yes! (laughs) Or should the evidence also affirmatively show that the defendant did not, in fact, commit the crime? I believe the latter is the case, end quote. In other words, innocent before proven guilty gets flipped on its head after a faulty conviction, and I've watched enough Netflix documentaries to understand how easy it is to convict an innocent person. I hate this country so fucking much, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Reed's lawyers want the Supreme Court to now weigh in on this. Reading from Reed's filing, quote, The post-conviction evidence that Reed has amassed and which the state refuses to confront clearly and conclusively shows that Rodney Reed is, in fact, innocent of the murder of Stacey Stites. This case represents the perfect vehicle to definitively recognize and define the contours of an actual innocence claim under the federal Constitution. So this could be a landmark decision if, indeed, the high court takes it up. 
When a case is relisted by the Supreme Court, it means it will be considered during the justice's next conference. That could just mean that one justice wants to take a closer look at the case. Maybe they're trying to convince three other justices to agree to review the case. It could mean justices are preparing a summary reversal in the case without any further arguments. Or it could just mean that justices are planning to uh, write a dissent to deny the review. We'll know for sure soon. Worth noting that the high court has previously weighed in on the matter. Back in 2009, in a dissent by Antonin Scalia involving the case of Troy Davis, who was executed in 2011 for killing a police officer despite loads of evidence that he was innocent as well, Scalia wrote at the time, quote, This court has never held that the Constitution forbids the execution of a convicted defendant who has had a full and fair trial but is later able to convince a habeas court that he is actually innocent. Scalia went on to claim, quote, Quite the contrary, we have repeatedly left that question unresolved while expressing considerable doubt that any claim based on alleged actual innocence is constitutionally cognizable. In other words, Scalia believed it was constitutional to execute innocent people, or at least the fact that executing innocent people is not a constitutional question. Thankfully, Antonin Scalia himself is still dead. It's, uh, he's getting off lightly. <laughs> I, I have to say that. The top bank supervisor at the Federal Reserve testified today before the Senate Banking Committee. Randall Quarles made his appearance among recent headlines about financial markets like this one from the Washington Post, quote, corporate debt nears a record $10 trillion and borrowing binge poses new risks. Quarles doesn't seem too bothered, however. Here was an exchange between the Fed vice chair of supervision and Alabama Republican Richard Shelby. Would you say that the overall health of our, of our banking system is as good as you've known it in the last 20 years or more? I, I would go farther and say I think my uh, career has lasted for about 35 years, uh -huh. and it's as good as it has been during that entire time. The top Democrat on the committee seized on this later in the hearing. Sherrod Brown has noted previously that the long career Quarles boasted of includes a stint at George W. Bush's Treasury Department. Then Quarles said this before the subprime meltdown, quote, my colleagues and I at Treasury are doing everything in our power to make our financial system even more resilient in the future. Here was Brown today questioning the ever rosy outlook of Quarles. You said bigger, stronger, more stable. Um, I, I, it's certainly more, more profitable, but the more profitable should not be the measure of, of any of our work. Uh, the, the measure should be the safety and soundness of the financial system with all that that means. And as you continue to move towards less regulation, it's hard to believe it's, it's making, your, making it stronger. We've talked about Trump-era deregulation before on the show. Check the catalog for details there. Just yesterday, Quarles targeted another item on the Wall Street deregulation wish list. He told the House committee the Fed is needing to sink billions of dollars to prop up short-term lending markets because of regulators' liquidity requirements. As MarketWatch noted when reporting the commentary, Quarles was echoing an analysis that was previously made in October by J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon. Reliable source, Mr. Dimon. <laughs> Moving on, late Wednesday afternoon, the U.S. Senate confirmed a reactionary anti-abortion activist to a lifetime appointment on the federal judiciary. 
In a 49 to 44 vote, Sarah Pitlick was confirmed to a seat on the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Missouri. Pitlick has very little experience actually practicing law. She was yet another nominee from the Trump administration that received a, quote, not qualified rating from the American Bar Association. Pitlick has no trial experience. She's never questioned a witness or conducted a deposition, and she doesn't have the 12 years of experience that the Bar Association recommends for appointments to the federal judiciary. In fact, her only legal experience is through anti-abortion advocacy. Prior to her confirmation, Pitlick worked for the Thomas More Society, which bills itself as a firm working for, quote, respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. Gross. She has also filed numerous legal briefs in defense of restrictive anti-abortion state laws, including fetal heartbeat laws and a bizarre regulation in Indiana that required abortion providers to bury or cremate the remains of mm. fetuses. She's also compared abortion services to eugenics. The 49-44 confirmation vote was mostly along party lines. Republican Susan Collins joined Democrats to vote down the nominee. It's too late, Susan. You're yeah. you're done. <laughs> you're fucking done. We we all remember the Kavanaugh vote. Yes, you're, you're done. Yes, we do. Joe Manchin surprisingly also sided with Democrats in opposition to Pitlick. Let's hope he is also done soon. Let's hope. Several Democratic senators on the campaign trail were unable to vote, including Senators Warren, Booker, and Harris. Actually, I'm not sure what Harris's excuse was. Uh, time to get back to work, Kamala. <laughs> Independent Senator Bernie Sanders also missed the vote, though. Had all of these senators attended the vote, it wouldn't have made a difference as Pitlick would have still been confirmed 49-48. Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking, where were, where were our sweet campaigning senators? And, uh, and then I realized there's no way McConnell w would bring that up if he thought there was any chance of the vote going down so it's like it, uh, it, it doesn't it really matters. matter and then, and then you hear the uh, glass breaking intro music it's, it's bernie sanders off the campaign trail to cast the no vote <laughs> by god that's bernie sanders music finally two democratic senators are pressing the justice department to investigate the attorney general for approving an illegal mass surveillance program what's new Ron Wyden and Patrick Leahy released a letter today to DOJ officials citing a March Inspector General report exposing the surveillance. They called for the Office of Professional Responsibility to investigate the Attorney General, noting he implemented this mass surveillance program, quote, without conducting any legal analysis of the program. In another letter to Barr himself, the two senators pressed for a response to issues raised in the March IG report. The probe revealed that the Drug Enforcement Agency was using administrative subpoenas for bulk data collection of phone and business records. Also, the program was initially launched in 1992 when Barr was first Attorney General under George H.W. Bush, but then it was stopped in 2013 after Edward Snowden exposed mass surveillance by the NSA. Sometime between 2013 and March, it started up again, presumably by either Barr or his predecessor, Jeff Sessions. Though it sounds like it was Barr because the program was first implemented under Barr, uh, what, like 20 years ago or something? Yeah. I'm bad at math. 25. <laughs> Wyden and Leahy noted that the program had been hidden from, quote, most members of Congress and also the federal judiciary, 
On the latter, they noted the inspector general finding, quote, troubling statements in the DEA training materials, including that the products developed in one program could not be shared with federal prosecutors. Very cool. Very chill indeed. The two senators asked Barr to respond to a series of questions, among them questions about the involvement of telecoms companies that were involved in the mass surveillance. Question six noted that the DEA is, quote, a major customer of a surveillance program in which one unnamed telecommunications carrier mines a database of bulk telephone metadata for billions of calls. Well, given how consolidated our uh, telecommunications industry is, it could be any of them, really. Yeah. Yeah, one, one of the three or whatever, take your pick, but yeah. it's one of them. That's the newscast for today. Again, subscribe on patreon.com slash district sentinel, five bucks a month so you can have access to all our bonus content, including tomorrow's subscriber only garbage can show. You also get your own haiku written for you and read on the air during a show next week if you subscribe right now. Also call the rant line 202-684-6108. Leave a message, we will play it on air. Back tomorrow for subscribers. Back Monday with the newscast for everyone else. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.